the choices that you'll make over the next 10 to 12 years are so important for your trajectory for the next 40. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. And if you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Forrest Carpenter is the author of the book, There Your Choices Now. Forrest has been in the business world as a business executive and entrepreneur. Throughout his life, he has always served and given back through ministry ventures in the church. In his book, he articulates the power of our choices and how they ultimately determine the course of our life. He also shares how the key is to seek obedience to God in all areas of your life. His life management plan gives you clear, actionable steps to do just that. A life management plan is built on seven pillars of life that create harmony, balance, and success. On the show, he shares his story, his book, failure, grief and joy, preparation, his business experiences, always moving forward, being a great husband and father, and much more. To find out more about Forrest and his book, check out itsyourlifenow.org. Enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Forrest Carpenter, with us. Forrest, thanks for being here. My pleasure, man. My yeah. Pleasure. Well, if you wouldn't mind, kind of give our listeners some background on you and, and context of what life was like growing up for you. Well, uh, you know, I, Harold Hamm, uh, who I quote in my book, said something that I think is uh, uh, strong for me, which he said, Harold Hamm, by the way, is one of the wealthiest man in, men in America. He's the second wealthiest man in Oklahoma in his oil company out of Oklahoma City and Enid. But he, he said his greatest advantage in life was that he started with no advantage. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the story of my life. I started with no advantage. I I was a shoeshine boy uh, when I was little at a barber shop and I threw newspapers and all that. And and uh, just I came from that background and and uh I think probably, you know, the key to my life in that area, anyway, of making my way is that uh, I've, I've, I've been where I didn't have money and I know that I can survive just as happily there as I do with money. And so money is not my God. It's not everything to me. It does provide me and my family a way of life that, that we enjoy, but I know that I can do without it. You know, uh, and so that's a great way to go through life is to there's a lot of people that they were, as Barry Switzer said, they were born on third base and and thought they hit a triple, but they were born on third base. Well, uh, I wasn't born on third base. I was born in the dugout and had to start out. But the problem with it, if you're born on third base, is that you're not sure that you can do without your income, even if you become a doctor or lawyer or whatever that you're providing great wealth, the, the, the problem is that you're always fearful of not having that. And that's, that's a, a tough way to go through life because it creates uh, uh, character traits that are not good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think what you talked about, that perspective of being able to be content with little or with a lot. And I think yeah. that's a really challenging thing for a lot of people. And it's something that I definitely, you know, work on as well to have that perspective, but really important. So Going back into kind of your upbringing, you said you grew up in Bartlesville, correct? 
No, actually Tulsa, West Tulsa. West Tulsa. Okay. That's correct. Well, what was it like? I mean, did you have siblings and what were you? Yeah, I'm the youngest of four. Uh, I had an older sister that's eight years older than me and then a brother that's six years older than me and a brother that's three years older than me. And, and, you know, we came from the generation that uh, if, you, if you're hurt, rub a little dirt on it, let's get going, you know, or, and the parents, uh, you stay out past dark playing with kids in the street and stuff. And we didn't have the electronics. We were playing kick the can and stuff like that and hunting in the woods. Uh, I can remember as a kid hunting for raccoons, we had traps and stuff and, and things like that. So uh, what a great life. Uh, we didn't know that we didn't have much. We just had a great life. And so uh, that's the kind of background I came from. Uh, went to public schools all the way through. Uh, uh, went to the University of Oklahoma and got a degree. And then I got my MBA from the University of Tulsa. And I'm probably really overeducated for where my heart is in life. But uh, all of it's uh, been uh, beneficial to me. Absolutely. So what were the things like maybe extracurricular activities that you were doing growing up and that kind of shaped you a little bit? You know, uh, just so many things. Uh, I I was in so many activities. I was a Boy Scout. OK, I went all the way to Life Scout, which is right before Eagle Scout. But uh, uh, I didn't get Eagle Scout before I went into high school. And so football messed with that and I couldn't finish it or I chose not to finish it. And uh, so I was a, a Boy Scout, loved all of that. And I was in multiple sports. I was a, a wrestler, a championship wrestler uh, in junior high and high school. I played baseball at a great level and uh, football as well. So uh, I was always in activities and that's a great place to be, keep you out of trouble, to keep you from running with people that are uh, doing the trouble or whatever yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I would say I was overstimulated and very thankful for that back then uh, and now uh, uh, you know one of the sad things for me is that now it seems like kids have to be uh, they have to focus in on one sport and that's all they can do especially at the bigger schools and that's very sad because to do all those sports it was a lot of fun and uh, I wasn't the greatest in any of them, but I was good at all of them. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, maybe what are some, some big takeaways from those experiences growing up that, that maybe shaped you within playing sports and also just being able to be a kid and being active and be around a lot of different people? You know, not, I think the biggest thing is uh, not being afraid of failure. Uh, uh, knowing that uh, you're not always going to win and, and knowing that the, the winning is in keep fighting, showing up every day, uh, uh, going back to the drawing board and going back to work and and uh, persistence and uh, uh, fortitude and uh, and those things. And uh, whether I knew those words at that time or not, that's what you're developing uh, when you're a wrestler and you get beat in one tournament and you got to wrestle in the next tournament the next week. How do I, if, when I wrestle that guy next, how am I going to beat him? And, you know, those kind of things. And, and uh, uh, just builds great strength. And, and, uh, and of course, the Boy Scouting, uh, I just have a great love for the outdoors and a great love for camping and being at state parks and things like that. And 
and all those things are good for the soul and they developed me as a person and so um, I, I think that's just a, a a great foundation for me it was a great foundation to build the tapestry of who I am absolutely yeah a lot of great experiences and just kind of the idea of exploration being outside being a kid and then also teamwork and figuring out ways to be persistent to overcome failures and then to, to find success through those failures, I think is really key. So I really would love to dive in. I mean, who were some of the most influential people at an early age in your life? And what were those things that you learned from them at a young age? You know, uh, the, uh, obviously my parents, but, uh, really it was parents of other kids. Okay. Also, uh, and we ran together, we played baseball together, we played football together, and and truly it was a village, okay? Uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, everybody has their heroes. When I was growing up, uh, there was a catcher from Oklahoma, you might have heard of him named John, Johnny Bench, who was one of the greatest catchers of all time for the Cincinnati Reds, and he, he was from Binger, Oklahoma. So, and I was a catcher, you know, and, and and I remember Gail Sayers. I had a Gail Sayers football uniform as a kid, you know, so athletically, th those were some of my heroes. And as I got older, there was a gentleman that was writing books and he was a pastor at the Collegiate Marble Arts Church in New York City by the name of Dr. Norman Vincent Peel. And if you Googled him, young people, if you Googled him, you'd see all the books he read and a great life he led. But he was one of my heroes. Uh, I, I read his books and how positive he was uh, in life. Uh, and uh, I could rattle off a bunch of them, Zig Ziglar, Leo Biscaglia, all those guys that men that I followed their, their writings and, and things like that. So uh, uh, those people had huge uh, uh, influences in my life from reading and and writing uh, their material. And uh, and then of course I had youth pastors and people that I was around. Uh, I was a little bit unique in that my best friend in life from the third grade on, he knew he wanted to be a pastor. How I how he knew that, I have no idea. <laughs> all those years he wanted to be a preacher and he became a preacher. He's a pastor over in Oklahoma City now. And uh, he's been my best friend forever. and. Uh, for somebody to be grow up around someone like that uh, is a huge influence on your life. You know, we're always going to church camps and things like that with him. And if I hadn't been with him, I'd be running with somebody else that wasn't going to church camps. Okay? <laughs> so that was, a, he's a big influence on my life and his family and all that. So, you know, it wasn't one person. It was a, a group of people that, uh, uh, made a huge difference in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think you mentioned something that, you know, I really probably haven't heard as much of, which I think is a really important point is obviously your parents were important to you and you had a bunch of different people, whether coaches, whether mm -hmm. your friends, but also uh, your friend's parents. I think that's something that's really important. So as parents who are listening to, you're not just impacting your kids, you're impacting your friend's kids or your kid's exactly. friends, right? And exactly. so I think that's something no matter what you do or where you are or who you're around, people are always watching. And so, because yeah. I can think the same thing. Yeah, I you can't see, but on my wall up here in the front, uh, I have uh, pictures of me with handfuls of young men 
when, as I was raising my son, that these young men are like sons to me too. And uh, I see them and talk and tell them I love them on a regular basis. And, and you can't do that enough. You know, you can't be invested too much in other young people uh, that come across your path. And uh, that's exactly right. They're, they're, those people, I learned from those people, uh, uh, you know, there's sometimes, sadly, you learn what not to do from your family. And from other families, you learn what to do. And hopefully, I've grown to where my kids learn what to do from me more. But, but uh, that's the, that's the way in life. And, and I'm not sure how you get that internal gyroscope to deci decipher who to learn from and who not to. But people, some people make bad choices and learn from the wrong people, you know, and some people make good choices. And I feel like I've been blessed that I've looked for the right people when I was a young person uh, to be influenced by. Absolutely. I think you hit on the head, you know, life is a culmination of our choices. And we'll dive into that because we'll talk about your book here in just a little bit. But going into you said college, Oklahoma, and then you went to your, get your MBA at University of Tulsa. Did you already kind of have an idea of what you wanted to do coming out of college? Or what was that like for you? No, not really. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I just always wanted to always move forward. Okay. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had multiple jobs, but they were well paying jobs and, and learning things in life. Uh, I, I sold mainframe computers in New York City, uh, in Wall Street, you know, on Wall Street to insurance companies and financial companies. And never once did I think that's what I would do. But the things as I was moving through life, I always moved in the right direction, educationally, uh, hopefully scripturally, uh, following Christ, all those things. And so I was, things came across my path that wouldn't have come across my path unless I had done those things. So for me to say, like I said, for my friend that at third grade, he knew he wanted to be a pastor. Okay. I didn't really know. I actually wanted to be a pilot when I was young and I applied for the air force Academy, but I had bad eyes. And back then, this is in the seventies, Back then, only the top 2% of the class got in if they had bad eyes, and I wasn't in the top 2%. <laughs> uh, I did get an appointment to West Point Naval Academy, but I wanted to be a pilot, and that didn't work out for me. So hmm. uh, so that's what I always want to do, but because of that, uh, uh, I did other things, and I just went to business school, so I learned business things, you know, and, and learned computers, uh, MIS degree, you know, uh, and then got my MBA and then that just opened doors. And I, you know, it wasn't till later in my life where I started choosing things that I just wanted to do. You know, I normally, this job, they're, they're interested in me and I did it, you know, and somebody tell me about it. And so I, I wish I could say at a young age, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. All I knew was that I wanted to be a leader and I wanted to move in a positive direction in life. And I did not want to be, a laggard. So. Yeah. And I, I think that moving in the right direction is a really important piece because there's a lot of pressure, especially on young people to feel like they need to know what they want to do. I mean, maybe, I don't know if it's the third grade, but you know, at least at a, at a you know, maybe high school or college when you get out of college, it's like, okay, well, there's a lot of people who don't know what they want to do or they get into college and they don't know what to do. And it's, 
this constant involvement of, of learning and growing through your experiences and the things that you're doing with the people that are around you, but also too, to your point, just getting better and, and moving forward in the right direction and trying to grow in leadership. So I think that's something that's, uh, should be inspiring to a lot of people that it's just constant improvement, constant growth. You don't have to know exactly what it is, but over time, there'll be some formation there to help you understand yes, what those yeah. things are. It just opens doors, you know, it just, you keep going the right direction and other doors open. You say, Hey, that might be interesting. Or, or at some time you might have an epiphany and, and think, Hey, this is what I want to do. You know, and people do that. I, the, the, the paths of life are littered with people that get out of college and whatever their college degree was, they did it for a year or two. And they said, that's not what I want to do. And they changed total course. I mean, I bet it's way over 50% of you ask people what your degree in and what you're doing is totally different. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Because you learn more things than you realize when you're getting a degree. Mm -hmm. So going into that, you said you moved to New York. Was that right after college? Right after I got my MBA. Uh, uh, at that time where I lived, Tulsa, uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, jobs for MBAs with no experience, which I went straight through. So I had no experience basically, but in New York and big cities, you can. And if I was going to move away from Tulsa, I'm pretty much a homing pigeon. Uh, if I was going to move away from Tulsa, I decided I want to move to New York, Chicago, or LA for a while. And I had a connection up in, uh, in New York and I got a good job and, and, uh, uh, worked up there for a couple of years, got some experience, and then actually moved back to Tulsa. So, so I said I set a goal of being there for a couple of years, and I was there for a couple of years almost to the day. Mm. So, gotcha. So, were you married at the time, or did no, you meet your wife? I, didn't, I did not know my wife at the time, and you know, God has a plan for all of us. Okay, and I moved back uh, in August of '88, and I met my wife in December. And if I hadn't moved back, I wouldn't have met her, okay, probably, and in December. And then we got married 18 months later. So I didn't know her when I lived in New York, so mm -hmm. when I went to college. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's it's interesting, you know, how people tend to meet. So it's, it's interesting timing. It's God's, you know, perfect timing, really. Yeah, we actually met at a Young Life get-together, uh, uh, college ministry, uh, uh, high school ministry, and uh uh, a bunch of friends were getting together and, and that's how we met. Mm -hmm. Was Young Life something you were always involved in in college? No, not me. Uh, my wife was on, in Young Life and then she was on, uh, uh, she was a leader out of college. And then when she moved back to Tulsa and was a teacher and my best friend, the one that's pastor, he was on staff with Young Life. And so he took me one night to a party, a Young Life get together and my wife was there who I didn't know at the time. And I asked about her and then, you know, the rest is history. But, the rest uh, is history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't active in young life. They didn't have young life at my high school. And I didn't, I didn't really even know about it until my friends started working with young life. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, we've been supported young life and been on committee and gone to their camps and helped and, and, to this day, uh, our closest friends are, are young life people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, real quickly, you touched on some of those mentors early on in your life and maybe some you didn't ever get to meet, but through their works, through their books, they really mm -hmm. impacted you. you. Talked about Norman Vincent Peale and, and lots of others. Was that something on your radar of always wanting to maybe do that in the future? Or how did, how did your book come about? Cause it's kind of an interesting story. You know, we, 
we really met just uh, not too long ago, you know, just because we were working in the Salvation Army bell ringer. You're coming in, taking my spot, and then through conversation, we started talking and had a lot more connections than we thought and with yeah. uh, the basketball background. But you gave me this book, and so I read it, and uh, I just found it really transformational in terms of uh, even the title, you know, they're your choices now. You know, life is a culmination of the choices, and so a really foundational book that I want to talk about. But how did how did that even come about? you well i people ask me how long it took me to write that book and i say 45 years okay because i was a person that clipped and kept notes and things about positive things starting back with norman vincent peel and zig ziglar and those guys i would just write positive things and i had all this stuff and then i had children got married and had children and I created a document from me to them. It was really a letter from me to them. And I'd mentioned it to a friend and, and he had asked to thumb through it and he thumbed through it and he said, you, you need to write a book. This needs to be a book for people. And that's the first time I thought about it. So that was, I'm 62 now. And that was when I was in my early fifties. So, but the material came over the last 40 years. All right. And and so then I started writing the book. I started writing it and thinking about seminars and this and speaking and all that and creating this book, which really was a letter to my children, my two young adult children that were in high school and then college. And uh, uh, as it took on its own life, I had multiple people in my life read it and give me advice on things and I made sure I was scripturally accurate in some of the things and I had multiple editors that that I valued their opinion tremendously and it just came to life you know and uh, I would be I have people ask me all the time are you going to write another book and I said no I'm not a writer really that was just my life story and my life's uh, culmination of all the thoughts that I loved and things that uh, my story and I think everybody has a story Okay. Mm -hmm. And everybody has something good to say. And, and I've had so much great feedback from people in the book that said it's transformational or said that it's changed their life. I had a, a, a friend that we raised our sons together. And when he read the book, he called me crying and he said, man, this book was for me. It hit home, you know? And so, uh, it's just, uh, a late, it was a labor of love and, now that uh, I'm getting feedback from people, it's uh, bless me beyond means. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and, and you know, you chose the title. They're your choices now. How important is is choices in your opinion, and and how do they affect us in terms of our trajectory of life, really? Well, they're they're uh, imperative that you understand choices and how they affect your life whether they be small ones, like you get in the wrong car at a, at a high school party or the wrong boat, okay, at a late thing with somebody that's been drinking or go to the movie with the wrong person, little small things, all the way to big things about where am I going to school? You know, I, I'll, I'll never forget uh, when I was in high school, I was choosing between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. And... I had already decided that I was going to go to Oklahoma State and I had one of my good friends, we were going to be roommates, et cetera. And my mom asked me one night, she said, where are all your friends going? And I said, well, most of them are going to Oklahoma State. She said, I want you to go to OU, okay? 
And so that was that leadership. And I talk in my book about your parents leading you and making choices for you, but now they're your choices. Once you leave the home, they're your choices. But my point is that choice was so important and affected me. I can't tell you how many more friends I have that went to Oklahoma State than Oklahoma, but I set out on my own cell, okay? And I did my own thing. And I have good friends from OU also, Oklahoma, but I didn't hang with all the crowd. And they weren't a bad crowd, by the way. My friend, it's a pastor. He went to, he wrestled at Oklahoma State, okay? okay. So it's not that I would have turned out bad because I think I had an internal gyroscope to go positive anyway. But my point is, Choices are so important, and your parents help you make them. Your your uh, your whoever your guidance people are, if if you're a foster child or whomever, okay, they help you. But then there's going to be a day when you're out on your own, or when you're going to college or going to work. By the way, you don't have to be college going to work, and you're making your own choices. And the my point is the choices that you'll make over the next ten to twelve years are so important for your trajectory for the next 40, okay? Now, you can always change your way, okay? You can be 35, 40, 45 years old and make a bunch of bad choices and be okay. I was with a girl today that was homeless in, in uh, San Francisco and an alcoholic, and she's rehabbed and been healthy for years, and she's telling me her story. And she didn't change uh, until 10 years ago, okay? And she had a child, and... And, and, and just doing great. But if you can do that where you're making positive choices in your 20s, 18 to 30 years old, then you're going to continue, first of all, to make positive choices, but also you're going to be set up for a great tra trajectory in life. And as you know in my book, and you're probably going to talk about it a little bit, there's multiple areas of your life. We're not just talking about financial here. We're talking about family and friends and your vacations and and your education beyond your formal education, all those kinds of things, making positive thing, positive decisions in that area will uh, project you to a rich, rich life here on earth, which is not the end all, by the way, but but it sure makes a better life. Absolutely. Well, just in your opinion, talking about choices right now. How does someone get better at making decisions and making the right choices and, and how do they go about like kind of assessing and evaluating good and bad decisions and making choices that propel them in the right direction as opposed to maybe the opposite direction in your well, opinion? Well, okay, it's it's a it's a a lot about discipline, okay? And you don't have to make the right choices all the time but you've got to start making the little choices right and making, and then it'll create a habit, okay, of making good choices and better choices. And then when you have big choices, you, you already have those habits and you'll have your thinking process of how you process that, okay? So to develop how to make good choices, okay? And we all know people in our lives, okay? that it just seems like every time they make a choice, it's a bad choice and a bad decision. And it and it, they're harder on themselves than anybody in the world, uh, the choices they make, okay? Well, you've just got to understand 
at the time what choices and how that's going to affect you in a long term. Some people don't have that ability. Okay. Uh, they're just looking for the next beer or the next uh, party or whatever. And that's so much more than making a right choice. Okay. But if you choose, you can make the small, correct choices and realize how positive those are. And it's kind of like a, a snowball going downhill and you're on the right choices. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's uh, my opinion on that. Yeah, I think so. I, I think what you just said is great because it's those little choices that, you know, are everyday decisions. They're little minute. They compound over time for good and for bad. And so also understanding, you know, the why you're doing what you're doing. So even if you don't know what you want to do, or if you do know what you want to do, you have a plan in place like this is why I'm doing this. This is the outcome that I want. Or even if you don't know what you want to do, it's also about moving in the right direction. So that gives you at least a, a goal and a plan as well. So regardless of what you want to do, you know where you're going and that helps you make those choices more consistently. And I think you touched on it too, but having people, good people around you to help encourage you to make those right choices is really, really key. Yeah, I can promise you, if you make bad choices, the choices you get to make down the road are not as flexible for you as they are if you make the right choices. Okay. And the people that will be around you after you've made those right choices will probably be different than the people after you've made those good choices. And that will affect your life forever. Absolutely. Yeah. I talk in my book about uh, you're, you're an average, actually, I quote uh, the uh, a pastor. Uh, Greg Rochelle. Greg Rochelle, yeah, he had a message that I heard in the car one time when I was we were driving about you're an average of your five uh, closest friends, okay? Mm -hmm. And my two points on that is I would actually, I said in my book, I'd throw your family in there too, your five closest friends in your family, okay? Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, that is so true. And those people change, by the way, by your choices, right, in life. Anybody that's in their thirties, no choices change those friends. Some of your high school friends are not close to you anymore. Okay. And so forth. And I also talk about in dating life. Okay. It's very similar. If you want to know what your boyfriend or girlfriend is probably really like more so than they're courting you now and being nice and all that, look at their five closest friends. And if they're losers, your girlfriend or boyfriend is probably going to go that direction once they don't have to impress you anymore. Okay. So be careful, red flag, you know, just understand who are they? Who's, who's my boyfriend or girlfriend's best friend? You know, who, who are they choosing to hang out with when they're not me? And if I don't like those people, it's a red flag. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think you touched on it. It's uh, Craig Rochelle. It's like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I think yes, that's exactly. so true. Yes. It's that yeah. environment. And you talked about family too. It's it's interesting because there's lots of people that grow up with great families. And there's a lot that maybe don't have those situations and they're not around good people. And it's really tough to get out of those environments. But what I've seen is that when people kind of put the the flag in the ground and say, hey, this is not the direction I'm going. They're changing the trajectory of their whole family and, and the life that they're looking to lead instead of getting sucked back into uh, maybe staying in the same state. It's like kind of like, I don't know if you've heard of the crabs in the bucket idea. If you put a bunch of crabs in the bucket, 
when one tries to go out, all the others will try to bring him back down. Uh -huh. it's, it's kind of that mentality of the environment that you put yourself around is really key. And those choices of being able to have the courage and the fortitude to stick the flag in the ground and say, Hey, this is not, this is not the direction I'm going anymore. I'm, I'm yeah. changing and making a new direction is really yeah. important, but it goes back to choices. Like you said. Yeah. I'll be a, a little transparent here uh, for you uh, to bring on this idea a little bit in my life personally is my father was an alcoholic and it was at a young age, high school, early college, that I realized that I didn't want to be my father, okay? And that's one of the reasons why I sought out other leaders, other men, their writings, and uh, people in the church and said, I want to be like that. I love my dad. My dad was a great provider. He had a plaque that said he had worked at American Airlines for 25 years without ever missing a day. Wow. Okay. But he did drink on the weekends, and, and it affected his life. He lost his his wife and his family and, and, and all that. Uh, and I love my father. Uh, that's not the point here. Mm -hmm. The point is that I chose that I didn't want that life. Okay. And some of my siblings have had problems with alcoholism also. Okay. And so you've got to make that choice in life. And for some of us, it's a huge choice. It's a thing that is very difficult to do. It's to break away from family tradition or uh, that kind of thing. And so that's what the book is about. At a certain point, my children are in their 20s now and they're making their own choices and we let them make their own choices. If they ask for advice, we give them advice, but we did the best we could, okay? And we think they've turned out great, okay? Like most parents probably do. <laughs> but, but they're making their own choices. And that's what my book's about. Regardless of your background, now you're making your own choices. If you've grown up without parents, been in foster homes and just been a, a bad situation, I pray for you, okay? I, I want a good life for you, but I've written something that you need to read. It's a map to how to live a faith-based life with a map on how to set goals and go forward from that point, regardless of your background. And actually, kids that have had a great background read my book and put it down after they've read it, if they read it, because they think they've are they're already there. They think okay, which is not true. But yeah, you know, but kids that come from the tougher backgrounds, they read it and it really they've got big eyes and and they say this is something that can help me in my life get out of where I've been. Absolutely. So I, and I love that story because it is so true. It's ironic that my, my dad and I were getting lunch today and he grew up in the same environment. His dad was an alcoholic, loved his dad. He loves his dad, but his dad made choices like that that really affected him. So I never, I never saw, you know, my parents ever drink because they both came from alcoholic backgrounds. They were still loved, but they decided to kind of do the same thing, make a choice that that's not the direction that our family is going to go. And yeah. it's modeled. So you model that for your kids. And so that, that kind of maybe that environment that could have taken place in your home did not take place because you chose to make a decision that would impact not just your family, but the future generations of your family. Exactly. Be, be the change agent, mm -hmm. be the one that changes that for your family. Yeah. And you, you put a, a quote in here in, in your book that I want to really read because I think it is really profound and impactful it's by Matthew McConaughey, but it says, uh, life is not fair. It never was. It isn't now and it won't ever be. Don't fall into the trap, the entitlement trap of feeling like you're a victim. You are not. Get over it and get on with it. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I love that quote. yeah. Why, why do you feel like, especially in this day and age, that's so important to not maybe take the victim mentality, understand that we all come from different, different environments and some, you know, start on third base, some start in the dugout, but at the same time, like your life is your own and you have to make the choices um, and not be a victim. How, why is that so important today? Well, it's more and more important today because our government, our leaders are trying to create a society where you are victims and you complain and you're, you're worried, you, you, you want entitlements of some kind, everybody. And they're trying to do that. And the pandemic is the biggest uh, uh, active agent of that I've ever seen where they were just giving you money because it's bad times here. We're going to give you this st- st- stimulus, all the stimulus. And we've got people that don't want to go back to work now. Just recently, I saw where Elon Musk fired a bunch of people from Twitter because they wouldn't come back to work. They want to work from home. Okay. Well, not to get into all that judgment, but the, the point is that our society is going that way. And the people that are looking for a loser's lamp are going to find it. And the people who are looking to move forward and not complain because everybody's going to have problems. Everybody's going to have something in your life not go your way. Okay. That's just scriptural. That's just the way it is. And you've got to be able to get up, not to sound like John Wayne, but get up off the ground and get back on the horse, dust yourself off and get going. There's two terms that I'll use for that. The most successful people are the ones that have grit, okay? Have that grit to keep going, to show up, to be there, and stick to itiveness, okay? Those two things, grit and stick to itiveness. You can have 10 people that are totally, totally talented and qualified and do a job. Let's say they're, Let's just say they're plumbers, 10 of them that are plumbers. Nine of them always work for somebody and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? And they always work for somebody and they make their money and they have a decent life and they go home at night and all that. One or two of them have grit and stick to it and they end up owning the company and running the company. We have a great uh, senator now from Oklahoma that uh, he owned a plumbing company and he uh, he was uh, built it into a huge, huge company here. And now he's centered in the United States and he's done all those things because I promise you, he had grit and stick to it. This Mark Wayne Mullen is his name. He was a congressman and now he's a brand new senator in Oklahoma. I've never met the guy. Okay. Obviously, I like what he talks about and what he does, but uh, uh, that was just my example of that. And he fell right into the idea. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you talked about being able to have grit and stick to it to consistently pursue the things that you set your sights on, because what you look at is what you'll get most, most often. Right. And so I think that's really powerful and, and not having a mentality that's going to be a victim to whatever circumstances come your way, but having that mentality of, okay, I'm going to use this as an advantage to press in and move forward into where I want to go. So I think yeah. that's really powerful. And kind of going into your book a little bit too, we kind of touched on it. There's a point you talked about seeking excellence. 
and you talk about seeking excellence in like seven areas of your life. Can you describe a little bit about what those seven areas are and how you go about doing that? Yeah, the uh, I'm going to look at my wheel that I put in there so I don't goof up here. Don't miss but, them. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the important thing, and I'll kind of hold it up here and, and I'm sure you'll give them my website that they go get it later on. But mm -hmm. the important thing about this, and I don't know if you can see it, but I have blue going all the way and it goes into every area. And the most important thing is one of the seven areas is your faith, okay? And how you live your faith. And that area goes into every other area. Your faith should be in every area of your life. So that's the biggest one. And then I have friends and family. And I talk about friends and family and how to treat them and work with them. And some of the things we've just talked about, about uh, your, how to choose friends, how to deal with family, how to grow family, all that. Education's another one. Uh, you should always be educating yourself. One of the things that I just got on, I'm 62 years old, and I just got on the internet yesterday and was checking at our local Tulsa Tech of a small engines class. I've always wanted, and I'm highly educated, I've always wanted to learn about small engines where I could fix a lawnmower or a weed eater. And I don't even do my own weed lawnmower, but always educate yourself on stuff. Find something that you can learn. So it's not just about formal education. The other one is health. Okay. It talks about the different ways in life to uh, do health and it's just not physical. It is physical also, but it's mental health too. The other one, oh my gosh, I can't hardly read it. Uh, leadership. Uh, it's in the yellow here, and I can't read it. <laughs> leadership. I talk about leadership not only uh, in everyday life, but in your family. Uh, I use examples in there, and I talk about how you choose at certain places to be a leader or not be a leader, and it's okay not to be a leader. It's okay to be a follower. There are times when I show up, and I just say, tell me what you want me to do. I just want to help out. I built a Habitat for Humanity house. Okay. I was the builder on it. And you had so many people from the church come up and just guys that were huge leaders in the community and doing other things, but they just showed up and wanted to hammer and get to work. Okay. Jimmy Carter, one of our past presidents, same thing. He worked for Habitat for Humanity. And I'm sure because of who he was, there was good things going on out of that. But every picture you ever saw, he was hammering and doing things. So being a leader doesn't necessarily mean uh, always having to be the leader, the top dog. Being a leader can be picking up the hammer and doing something else, okay? So talk about leadership, then talk about financial and career, okay? Another area of your life is financial career. And then the last one, and I just leave it at the last one, but it's vacation and recreation. And that's a huge point, okay? A lot of people are workaholics, okay? And they don't take time for vacation or recreation. And we could get into a long talk about vacation with your family or whatever, but that might not be it. It might be joining a bowling league or, uh, you know, uh, agricultural thing or whatever, you know, uh, just recreation and getting away from what you do. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that you have time and you got to set in this, all these areas I talk about how to set goals, uh, by every five years, every three years, every one year, monthly, down to daily. And, and you look at the daily every day. So that year, you're moving forward in all these areas. And mm -hmm. it's uh, uh, a road scholar gave me this. Uh, uh, I put the faith part in it. 
but he had spoke to my pledge class when I was in a fraternity back in 1979. Okay. He spoke to my fraternity pledge class and he gave this information. Okay. And then I called him a few years ago and asked him, can I use it? And he was just flabbergasted that I still remembered him and remembered what he gave me. And I just told him it made a difference in my life. And so now we're using it. So this was not my idea, by the way, but I did add the faith part and how it goes into every one of those decisions, your faith part. Mm -hmm. And you touched on those seven decisions, but also that point that you just made about when you were, uh, I don't know if, I don't know what year you were in, but in 1979, when you were in college, first year of college as a freshman, you took all that information, you kept it for all those years and still knew who the guy was. So it goes back into a lot of what you just talked about, but having a constant curiosity and desire to learn. And, yeah. and never stop learning. So I think that's really important because when you look at these different areas of your life, how can you constantly be learning, improving, growing, but also it kind of ties in to the next thing I want to touch on because you said of breaking it down, not just not just in you know like the year, but also months, daily, all those things, but creating a life management plan. And why is that important? And why did you kind of put that in the book and talk about that? Well, God talks about how all our days are planned. Okay, so... I believe that you set goals and you do things, but you listen to God, uh, allow the Holy Spirit guide you in what you do. But he talks about all, you should have all your days uh, aligned. Okay, I'm not quoting it exactly the scripture. Uh, but anyway, uh, and so I believe that it's scriptural to have a path set out for yourself and move in that direction. Okay, and so... That's imperative to me and my walk and what I believe uh, in my faith, okay? But it's also good if you're just a worldly person and you're not a faith person of faith. It's also good for you to push forward because someday you might be in a position where you, you see the light, okay? But uh, uh, it's, it's just, for me, it's scriptural. Uh, to seek excellence in all those areas, okay? Mm -hmm. And the joy that comes from that is just unbelievable. Uh, Just to give you some examples, in the last, uh, uh, I I have so many high school friends and people that I'm still uh, relational with because of my set, my goals with family and friends. I set goals of, reaching out to different groups and getting us together. There's a large group of my friends that they would say to you, if you were to talk to them, who gets us together? And they'd say, Forrest is always the one that calls everybody and gets them together. It's because I set goals. It's mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't think of that if I didn't have goals. Okay. I have a high school buddy uh, that's getting hip surgery this week. And, they're, and three or four of us are going out to dinner, three of us, four counting me and my wife, uh, families going out to dinner because he's going to have hip surgery and things like that. And, and uh, college guys, I was at a, uh, have a business relationship with one of my college friends and, and we closed on two houses today that, that we own. And uh, it's, you just set goals in those areas and it's just moving in the right direction of all those areas. And uh, I, I, it makes such a difference in your life of the experiences you get to have in life. And Truly, in this world, that's what it's about: is experiences and and uh, and uh, seeing what you get, 
do. I, I just two weeks ago, I went pheasant hunting. I, I uh, will, my son is a college basketball coach, so I do a lot of college sports and things like that. But uh, because of the decisions I've made in my life, I get to do a lot of those things. And, and by the way, I, my son is a product of my belief, you know, and he's made his own choices and he's uh, professed to follow Christ. And looks like to me, he's doing a great job. And, and my daughter also, by the way, uh, and uh, uh, he's just moving along fabulously in life. And, and it's not just that you have a great job, but you got to be experiencing all those other things too. Because if, if, if you just have a great job making a lot of money and not experiencing all of those things, I think it's a sad life to me. Absolutely. And I think your point on definitely having a plan in place, pursuing that plan, like a life management plan, whatever that looks like for you to steward who God made you to be as well, to, to put that plan in action. But I think when the word that you're talking, that I'm thinking about when you're talking is, is high intent, you're intentional about everything. And I think you even touched on writing notes, write a letter to someone that has made an impact on you, because I think that's, that's profound. And even just the simple act of having goals with your friends, because sometimes that com might come naturally to you and sometimes it may not. But when you have a plan in place and you're intentional about it, it's going to get done. And so it's better to have a plan than not have a plan. And so failing to prepare is preparing to fail, correct? Yes. It goes the same way in what you're talking about. So I think that's powerful. And one thing I did want to touch on, you had three different stories or maybe four different stories in your book. Um, and they kind of relate into grief, but they were powerful stories. And if you wouldn't mind, maybe talk about those, some of those stories, maybe with your coach, uh, with uh, Tim and then Dwayne, and, and talk about how important it is to work through grief. Yeah. Uh, first of all, there's a, uh, I talk about how in my book about how everybody has tough times. Everybody has uh, uh, hills to climb. Okay. And then I do a chapter on stories of people that have done had really bad things happen to them and this chapter is profound and it's interesting you mentioned my coach's story because I have so many people call me after they've read that and said that's unbelievable story so I'll get into that a little bit of detail here but I want to just mention quickly the other uh uh stories and 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 that one is uh my mother's cousin when she had a baby that would have been a couple of years older than me, she was walking home from school and never made it home. They never found her. And to the day my cousin, my mom's cousin died a few years ago and he's in her eighties. Uh, she never knew what happened to her daughter. Okay. And I just talk about how bad that is and what lessons that can teach you and all that. And then I had a friend, uh, one of my college roommates that was an anesthesiologist and living the high life in California, and he accidentally overdosed, which is not uncommon with some anesthesiologists because they can get these drugs, and he died, okay, and I talk about his story, and then I had a couple from my church that their, uh, the husband was working very long hours and busy, and out of the abnormally, he took the, his son to uh, the doctor's appointment, and then he went, got picked, his, took his son back and went straight into his office and went to work and forgot his son in the car and his son died in a hot car. 
Okay. So those stories are in there and it talks about redemption and, and how you deal with those in life. Okay. So it's not just, these are bad stories. And I'm just telling you yeah. what I want to say about those before I talk about my coach, maybe in a little bit more depth is that, that my prayer is that none of you, none of us have that kind of bad thing, but you've got to prepare yourself. You've got to have a walk to where you understand what can happen in life and how to pick yourself up, like I said earlier, and get back on the horse. There are some things like that that I don't know how I would do it. We're sitting here today. I don't know how I would get over if I uh, left my son in the car and he died. Okay. Don't know how. But I try to help those that let you know that that can happen. And so you better repair yourself and have a foundation, in my opinion, a foundation in the scriptures and in the walk so that you know that you're going to see them again and you're living for eternity and not for just for this world. Okay. So that's what I'm about. The fourth story is about my coach, my high school uh, football coach, who had a, I had a great relationship over the years. And many years after I was an adult, uh, his son went to the Air Force Academy and had a, a wreck very much like in Top Gun, the first Top Gun, that is. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he died. And so I was at his son's funeral. Uh, months before that, his wife had died of cancer. Okay. Before his son died. And then he had called me and asked me to build his daughter a house who she had gone through a divorce. Okay. And I built her a house right next to him. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit and divine intervention that had him do that. Because within months after I finished her house, she I got a call on his phone. He and I were supposed to go fishing that week. And I got a call on his phone. And it was his daughter telling me that he was raking leaves and had a heart attack and died. Okay. And I talk about what a wonderful man. He was a deacon at the First Baptist Church in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And just a wonderful man of God. And uh, unbelievable. I tell this whole story more, much more in detail, sure. but, but uh, I talk about how that's life and bad things happen. And I got news for you. All of us get out of this life by dying in some way. And we, the, the great story is, if you will, the more love and the more relationships you have, the more grief you're going to have, because you're going to be tied to those people and all those people are going to have something go wrong to him. I can't tell you how many funerals I've been to of a friend that his dad accidentally shot him and et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think I'm abnormal. If you have a lot of light relationships. Now, if you lock yourself in your house and don't ever go out, maybe you won't have bad things happen to you. Okay. But I promise you, it's better to have relationships in love, okay? And then have grief than it is not to have any of it. Okay, so that's what that chapter is about. Absolutely. And those are really profound stories, especially, you know, with your coach as well. But you had mentioned in your book, you know, without pain and grief, you cannot know all the happiness and joy life has to offer. I think that's a really profound quote, because it is so true. Uh, this life is not going to be anything where we're not going to have any problems. But without experiencing those, we can't fully appreciate and understand the joy and happiness that comes alongside life, both joy and sorrow, they they're always going to be throughout life. So I think that was a great story. Um, real quickly, too, I want to touch on maybe your opinion on what it means to be a good husband and father and, and talk a little bit about your experiences and how you try to do that. Well, I, I just uh, always be supportive, always be uh, 
I'm talking about spouses, you know, uh, always be loving. Uh, uh, every marriage, just like life, has ups and downs, okay? And it really, you got to be, to be a great husband or a great spouse, you've got to be able to move forward and keep moving forward, be willing to apologize, be willing to uh, uh, accept flaws, in yourself and in your spouse and no life's not perfect. Okay. And, and I could go on for about that, but then I'll talk about children and I don't know a way of raising great children other than the way I explain it in this book about these things that I wrote to my children. Okay. And I have two children that as far as uh, uh, my measurements go, they're successful at this point. They're actually both engaged in getting married this year. They're both in their 20s. Uh, they both are professionals and have good, very good jobs and, and all that. But it came from a solid a foundation in Christ from their parents, okay, first and foremost. And second of all, a consistent leadership from me and my wife of how and what to do in life and not always being a helicopter parent or what they call a bulldozer parent over them and doing things for them, letting them do their own thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, giving them guidance. Okay. You don't uh, let them run wild as a five-year-old, but you give them guidance, but you also know, and as time you put them in environments where they can, uh, they can, uh, uh, make some of their own decisions and you monitor those and see and see how things are going. Mm -hmm. And I think what you just touched on, obviously you're doing it with your wife. You're with your wife, yes. leading your kids. You guys had a plan, but at the same time, you let them learn and grow through experiences, both good and bad failure. Let them, you know, slip and fall a little bit, but help pick them up and be there for them. And I know that for you, it's definitely, you know, love and care for your kids and model what you, you want to see and you're the best model that you can put in front of them. So I think that's a great point. And as we wind down here, I've got a little fire round for you. So if okay. you, uh, I'm going to say a, a sentence and you can finish with a word or sentence, however you feel led. You can do anything if. You can do anything if you have the confidence of Christ behind you. Stewardship is. Stewardship is taking care of everything that comes across your path uh in a christ-like manner favorite vacation spot favorite great vacation spot i have so many but i'm going to say emma wald switzerland it's up in the alps and they just have benches and you say why is that bench there and you go sit on the bench and you know why <laughs> sitting there and you're looking so gimma wald switzerland is my favorite vacation spot all right i haven't heard of that one so i've only been there one time by the way so yeah well it was obviously memorable so yes. i'll have to write that one down Fortitude means? Fortitude means strength, internal strength and character to do the right thing. Right thing. Awesome. Favorite book? Favorite book. Well, we'll throw the Bible out. I'll say some some other book. Okay. Besides your own too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah oh, this is my favorite book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've got so many because I, my wife and I both read a lot, but uh, I'm going to say a book that Gary Smalley and Trent, I forget Trent's first name, Smalley and Trent wrote 
many years ago, and it came out again a few years ago called The Blessing, okay? And it teaches you how to receive blessings and to give blessings, whether it be a word, a hug, an action, or whatever, uh, to serve people and to bless them uh, in little things and in big things, okay? It's not about giving them money or anything like that. It's about blessing them, saying a kind word. Most of us remember that teacher that told us we were good at something, okay? That's a blessing, okay? And so Trent and Smalley are the author's names, and it's called uh, Blessings, okay? And awesome. I, I would I would say that was my favorite book. Yeah. That changed, that changed how I treated a lot of people. It all comes down to. It all comes down to, you know what I'm going to say, it all comes down to your walk with Christ because it's about eternity. It's not about this world. It's about eternity. Absolutely. In my book, I refer to a video of, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget his name now. It's a pastor and he does a great presentation on why people think Christians are so stupid or whatever is because they're looking at this part of life on this rope. They're not looking at eternity. Okay. So that's it. Absolutely. Well, we're done with the fire on the final two questions I have for you is, is there a certain piece of best advice you've ever received and what, what would it be? Certain best advice. Um, yeah, probably probably that life does not ever get easier. So get up and keep going and show up. Okay. If you think life's going to be easier when you're 50 or 60, it's not. You've always got issues. You've always got family to deal with or whatever. Okay. But you've just got to get up and show up and keep going. That's awesome. The alternative is not good. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I love it. Well, the final question I have for you is this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? Well, we've already answered it in a way, but I'll summarize it here for you. It's all those seven areas of your life, okay? Moving forward in those areas and building excellence, exceeding excellence, okay, in small ways, that turn into big ways. You don't go into one of those areas and do big, great things, okay? All right? Mother Teresa talked about doing small, great things. Just keep doing small, great things. And that's what excellence is about. Keep doing small, great things, making great choices in small ways. And then when you have the big choices come across your path, you'll know what to do a lot better than you would have. Absolutely. Well, Forrest, thank you so much for coming on the show and thanks for sharing a lot of the stories in your book and then kind of in your, your own story and the principles that you've learned from. But you've obviously talked a little bit about some of the things that have had a profound impact upon you, but you've also been making a profound impact upon so many other people. You know, and we didn't even talk about some of the things you're doing uh, with real estate and giving back to people that maybe don't have homes and things like that. But um, all that to be said as well is that, you know, you are a great model for your kids and still are to this day and making a great impact through your book. So if someone wanted to learn more about you and your book, or maybe have you come in and speak and talk on the book, what's the best way of, of going about doing that? 
Well, you can you can reach me at my personal email, which I'll I'll state it here if it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for Forest has two R's in it. Forest Carpenter at ATT.net. Forest Carpenter at ATT.net. And then I do have a website that's on the book. Uh, you want me to state it or is it absolutely yeah, we, we'll show it here so anyone watching can can look at it, but we'll also have the link in the in the bio below, but it's your life now.org. Yeah, org, And you can go there and the book's there. And, uh, but you have my email and uh, I, I uh, uh, be glad to, to communicate with anybody. Awesome. Well, Forrest, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you very much and have a great day. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.